Wada's football, Wada's football. <laughs> Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Barry. That's, that is exactly how the theme tune goes. What is football? What is football, Kyle? Welcome back <laughs> to the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast. Sorry for stepping on your toes. I'm sorry for doing right. it again. You, no, you stepped on no toes whatsoever. <laughs> I often sing the theme tune, even if I haven't listened to it, just at the point when listeners will have done. I'm well, at the Roy Keane School of Podcast, and you get a two-footer tackle in really early doors, just right. to make sure make my presence felt. I mean, it paid off. Yeah. <laughs> certainly know you're here. Listeners, we have a guest. <laughs> uh, who are you? Uh, I'm Barry McStay. Barry McStay. Yeah. Welcome, Barry McStay, to Hi. the Absolute Worldy Football Hi. Podcast. Lovely to meet you. Se- yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, sure. Season two, episode four. We're sticking with the numbers, Kyle. Episode two, four, season two. Yeah, that's just the reverse <laughs> of what I just said. Let's crack on. It's nice to know I was your fourth choice guest. You were, I mean, <laughs> at best. At best. <laughs> at best, fourth choice. We actually reprioritise our guests on a weekly basis, Barry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, essentially, that's what happens. You know, we, we've got a real, we've got a long, deep list, as is indicated by the fact that you are the fourth actor this <laughs> season. Third actor this season, I apologise. The first episode didn't have a guest on. Let's keep going. Uh, so, Barry, welcome. Hi. Welcome, welcome to the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast. Uh, speaking of worldies. Yeah. Do you have any sense of what absolute worldie might might mean? Well, Joel, um, <laughs> can I do a radio voice? Yeah, of course oh, you yeah. can, I do. Uh, I was thinking about this, because obviously there's sometimes you're watching a sporting event or some sort of a performance or something, make, you have a moment that makes you go, yeah, that's really good. Mm. But I feel like a worldie is a level above that. It doesn't just make you go, yeah, it makes you go, wow. It's a wow moment. It's a wow moment. You, just, you don't just cheer, you whoop. It's uh, it's it's not just a Steven Gerrard goal. It's Gerrard against Olympiacos. What happened with Gerrard against Olympiacos? <laughs> it, the 2005 uh, Champions League campaign. Liverpool were in need of beating Olympiacos by two goals at Anfield in their final group game. Uh, they were they went one nil down to a oh, Rivaldo no. goal. Rivaldo. Yeah. Oh, classic. Yeah. Classic Brazilian. He's a worldy of a player. <laughs> He's yes. Uh, I think Florence Cinema Pon goal equalised for us. Wow. We have gone straight into. <laughs> territory that our casual non-football interested listeners are I'm sounding like the, the teachers in uh, Charlie Brown and Peanuts and wah, 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 wah. Florence Cinema Ponga was <laughs> yeah. one of my favourite players who didn't play for the team that I supported growing up I loved Florence Cinema Ponga because his name was Florence Cinema <laughs> but if you've never heard of him it sounds nice yeah it doesn't really matter what he, he was not he yeah. was kind of an insignificant it's a delicious it's a delicious dish yeah <laughs> Cinema Ponga Cinema Ponga <laughs> or an oeuvre of filmmaking <laughs> Pongol cinema Pongol. Cinema Pongol. <laughs> what, what are the, um, Kyle, what are the tenets of, of Pongol cinema? Cinema Pongol. It's like Gonzo, right? Black and white. <laughs> is that the first, that, it's like the Gonzo rule book. You, so the first thing is it has to be black and white. Black and mm-hmm. white. Non-actors. <laughs> Must be over 80. <laughs> All from different countries speaking different languages. Does it, are there subtitles or do we just know? Subtitles. Oh, right, okay. Nice. <laughs> I would watch some. Anyway, then what happens This is in great. The game? <laughs> What happened again? Yeah. Uh, I think Neil Mellor scored a second goal for Liverpool, so they're two one up. They still needed a third goal. Yeah. And I think at the eighty seventh minute, a Neil Mellor knocked down to Gerrard about thirty yards out, and he hit the ball, the shot in the half volley, screamer into the Olympiacos goal. It was for the longest time. I think Sky Sports used it as their like goal for their trailers for football. Gerrard! It's Gerrard! Is that, that the one? noise they made? Yeah, it's probably Martin Tyler. It's Martin Tyler oh. losing his shit. And I think Andy Gray, God rest his soul, wherever he is, uh, in, going, in sex- top drawer! That is top drawer! Andy Gray's off in, in sexist land. Yeah. A, a, <laughs> AKA commenting, he commentates somewhere 
in the in the Middle East, I believe. Andy Gray. Did you just Good label the whole of the Middle East racist land? Sexist land, I think you're fine, Carl. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> it was still, oh, that's fine, It then. was still pretty slandery. <laughs> um, uh, well, you, what you've done there is you've neatly covered both uh, uh, your definition of an absolute worldie and an example of an absolute worldie. I'm um, <laughs> multi-talented. Have we ended up with back-to-back weeks with Liverpool fans? We have. Oh, yeah. Not I'm intentional. Long-suffering. Could you explain, I mean... By your accent, Barry. I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm, I could be wrong. Irish. Oh, you're so. You've such an ear. I do. Have an well, ear. we've had Irish guests before. We have. We've I get, yeah. No, Amy and I are from neighbouring towns. Well, it's a small nation. Amy yeah, yeah. Fleming from hashtag Newbridge or Nowhere. Newbridge or Nowhere. In series yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I my my dad's a Man U fan. Um, but myself and my two brothers are all Liverpool fans. I don't know how that how did happened. That happen? uh, I think my old because sorry, my older brother was a Liverpool fan. He's seven years older than me, and he was a fan of them during the eighties when it was fashionable to be a Liverpool fan. Yes. Uh, and then by the time I came around, I probably under his influence became a Liverpool fan just as Graeme Souness took over, which was uh, dark um, days. <laughs> the end of an era. The end yeah. of an era. I mean, literally putting to bed that era. Yes. Uh, so yeah, being a Liverpool fan during the 90s was a, and indeed a lot of 2000, 2000s been a difficult phase. I don't know, the Benitez years? Yeah, up until, up until, until Roy Evans left and Julier took over. Was that, that was a... 2005 match you described your worldy Gerard goal? Was mm. that the year that you won the Champions League? Yeah, I think the match was at the end of 2004. It was part of that campaign. Yeah, I was in Australia for that. Um, you, and did you watch it? Yeah, I was getting up at quarter to five in the morning <laughs> during wow. the Champions League campaign to watch all of the Will games. you please, for our listeners who maybe are not familiar with that amazing night, uh, in, the miracle of Istanbul. The miracle of Istanbul. Will you describe some of the miracle of Istanbul for our listeners? The Liverpool were the un, were these uh, this unlikely fairy tale story. We were we ended up this league the season fifth in the league. I mean, it's it a narrative. Benito's it's a narrative first. only ever seen in Pongol cinema. I would yeah, say. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> cinema Pongol. Cinema Pongol. Sorry. Yeah, go on. <laughs> um, and we weren't we weren't really considered in any way contenders for it. We had to play Juventus along the way. We were very like top team at the time. I can't remember. Who, can't remember all the opponents we played. Uh, but the final was against AC Milan with Kaká in the team and Maldini. Maldini. Uh, um, was Shevchenko? No, I can't. I can't remember. But they were all star team. Yes. Uh, and that Liverpool went one 0 down after one minute of the match. Wow. That did uh, not bode well. Did not, but in fact, we were three 0 down at half time. If we hadn't prefaced this story by calling it the, the miracle, miracle of Istanbul. Istanbul, I would not be feeling confident for <laughs> Liverpool's chances at this well, point. You never know; there might be a late twist, Joe. Okay, right, yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Champions League finals are often played in countries that are not where the teams are from. Yeah. So that's yeah, why it was yeah. in Istanbul and not anywhere else. For listeners who don't know that sort of thing, that's a good yeah, point. It's true. And nice uh, footnote, Carl. The, uh, the, the the famously the Liverpool fans were singing "You'll Never Walk Alone." at an extraordinary level during halftime so that the team could hear them down in the dressing room even wow. at 3-0 down uh, oh, they were 3-0 down three at half-time. Down, at half-time, yeah. And Benitez took off. I think Steve Finnan replaced him with um, Didi Haman, who just sat in midfield and shored the entire thing up. They were just being cut through time after time. Brought, brought Haman on. And uh, Liverpool scored three goals between the 50th and 60th minute or something like that. A Gerrard header... Uh, a Vladimir Smitzer daisy cutter nice. into the bottom corner. I remember that. And, uh, and, and a Xabi Alonso rebound from his own penalty. It was saved and he uh, scored the rebound to get to 3 all, uh, And then hung on through added time during which <laughs> Jersey Dudak, who was not the best goalkeeper ever, made an astonishing double save yes. from point-blank range with about two minutes of added time left. And then they won on penalties. 
the miracle of Istanbul. And how did that something. feel for you it in was, Australia? It was ridiculous. I was meant to be going to work. So I was up at quarter to five in the morning. I lived next door to this family who had six sons and they were all Liverpool fans. Wow. Uh, so we were getting up and they were being really nice and letting us come and watch the matches. And I was meant to be at work at 7am, I think... <laughs> I was working in a school. I was meant to go and roll the crease on a cricket pitch, like drive a little steamroller thing. I mean, that is a bizarre memory. I mean, yeah. it's like when something really amazing happens and all the memories that you have crystallise around it. And all the mundane things around yeah. it. Yeah. I, I, had to go <laughs> I had to go and drive a mini steamroller around a cricket pitch. <laughs> That's bizarre. And the, bo- the guy who was our boss uh, was not, not a, did not suffer fools or indeed anything likely. Uh, and was like, just be like, be on time for work and I won't cause you any grief. And I just had to very delicately ring him as the match was going on and going, oh, I might be a little bit late. Because of extra time. And I was, yeah, I'm going to be, okay, there's extra time. I might be a bit late. And then, okay, it looks like it's going to be penalties. I'll be a bit late again. And then I didn't bother ringing him after the penalties. I said, fuck it, I'm going to stay and watch the trophy <gasps> celebration. Nice. So you didn't, the crease was un- At half unplanned. past eight, I showed up and he was like, your team win then. I was like, yeah. And he was like, all right, get to work. Yeah. Then again, I don't regret any of it. No, damn straight. Yeah. Can a daisy cutter be a worldie? Uh, maybe someone should explain what a daisy cutter is. It's what a, a low shot across the ground that sort of sort of, kind of cuts all the heads off the daisies. It's, it's, that's, it's literally a daisy cutter. A little bobbly one. Yeah. It, bob- it bobbles through, right? It doesn't, yeah. It's not like a well-struck shot. It looks like the sort of uh, attempt that a child might do. Um, <laughs> because it's like, uh, you often see footballers on the last day of the season, they bring their children... <laughs> And the, and the children kick Where the, kick the ball. Oh, there's lots of examples of this. Footballers like, bring their children football, to on the, what? On the last day of the season, after the game... It's bring your child to work day. It's oh bring your child God, to work day. You parade around, and there's always a video at the end of every season of a famous footballer's child, who's about two, yes. kicking a ball into an empty net, and there's always like... The crowd going, a natural. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. As the ball and rolls closer to the line. So can that ever... I mean, obviously not the footballer's child <laughs> doing it, but can that ever be a world? Uh, Gerard against West Ham in the FA Cup final 2006 is a bit of a daisy cutter. Just a rope that to... last minute equaliser. Yeah, there you go. Um, you can have a powerful daisy God, cutter. Do have a lot of games where they have late equalisers that then go down in history? It's one of the best and worst things about supporting that club is those last minute victories and also the hope you have of the last minute victories based on history when they don't appear. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, go, yeah. Oh no, it's fine. We always we always win from this position. Oh no, not, not this, this case. <laughs> Which happened, I think, two years after that. Against uh, AC yes, Milan. against AC Never Milan. Really no, didn't happen that oh, time. Really not. Yeah. Two 0 I think. Yeah. yeah. Ironically, a revenge match, you might say, which is uh, something I'm going to be talking about later. <laughs> wow, that sounds oh, like a segue. You've dangled, <laughs> you've dangled a classic worldie in front of our uh, noses, and in that case, uh, we're going to go and stick the kettle on, have a cup of tea. You're going to listen to a little bit of music, and we'll be back with classic worldies and this week's worldies. Right after this. Kickball with foot, <laughs> football, yeah. back listeners <laughs> yes we are we had a lovely break got a nice herbal tea and i'm ready to go with what's this week's... Your, what's your herbal choice normally peppermint and this in this case i've got peppermint. So mainstream oh part. right so normally peppermint and now peppermint. <laughs> well i i've got that turmeric i mean it's the very middle class way to kick this classic worldie moment off with but um, um turmeric gold it's like turmeric tea with black tea in it. It's you're, very nice. you're such football hooligans, both of you. And we... <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Why would you have turmeric tea? It's very good for the system. <laughs> what does turmeric even do? I don't really know, but I, it's very tasty. 
Don't you have it in curries and things? Yeah. And yeah. tea. And tea. <laughs> I thought it was just like a flavour, a, a colour component. No, you have it in tea. It's okay. very nice, but I'm glad you went for peppermint. Moving your chair closer to the microphone, eh? Is it funny how you get, like, peppermint in toothpaste, but you don't get turmeric in toothpaste? <laughs> Maybe you can get a turmeric tooth- toothpaste. Let's I mean, look into it. Dragons, we are asking for £50,000. <laughs> stain your teeth a bright, bright orange. But maybe the br- it's like an initial staining, but then when it fades, they're like, ping. Pinging turmeric teeth. I'm quite paranoid about my yellowing teeth. Are you? Yeah. I don't know. You've got a lovely smile, Kyle. Great. I mean, this is Thanks. this is not you necessarily do. the best radio chat as we just yeah. analyzed. Although, I assume sure listeners, Kyle, has a lovely smile. We are actually coming into me talking about food and football, though. Food I know we're talking fun. about drink, but, you know, true mixing food, it's a tenuous link. I'm going a, with it. It's a good segue. Go you on. guys got to a lot of football matches. Which is the best ground for food that you've been to? <sighs> um, you get good pies at Brentford, but only if you're in the executive box. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you, and turmeric pies. Do you know what? They're more than they're more puddings than pies. Oh, that's a, that's controversial. So they sweet rather than savoury. No, no, they're like um, it's it's oh, like, like rather like than a flaky end. rather than a flaky crust. It's mm. like a, it's almost like suet. It's okay, really so delicious. So famously, the the best pie winner every year is Morecambe. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah Morecambe, Morecambe City, Morecambe Town, Morecambe, oh, whatever it is, it's Morecambe. Morecambe. There's a bay there. There's it's a statue of Eric Morecambe there. Is there, is there really? Yeah, there is. There you yeah. Go. Oh, because he's named after his hometown. Yeah. he's Because he's Morecambe's most famous son. Anyway, you want to talk about food, Carl? I want to... I'd <laughs> like... I mean, to those listeners from Morecambe, we would love to come and sample your pies and do an episode there. <laughs> At Morecambe's ground. But At Morecambe FC. What, 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 league, what league are they in? What level are they in? League 2. They're in League 2. All right. So work, work your way up. I don't think they've started well, but, you know, we could turn <laughs> things around. Before they get relegated. <laughs> I mean, who knows? So before we crack on with this week's worldie, I want to take us back to last week. We were talking about if you had a Premier League footballer back to your home, what would you feed them or entertainment would you provide? Do you get to choose which footballer it is? I chose David Luiz and I offered him a vegan curry. <laughs> now, how wrong I was. Oh, really? Because oh, really? this week we found out that he really loves Italian. <laughs> <laughs> there was a story this week. He, he's become firm friends with a, with a Chelsea fan, a, a lady in her, in her middle ages. She... She, she, he met her for dinner one time and then he invited her to his restaurant this weekend. Oh, nice. So after the Liverpool game, uh, her and a, an assortment of her friends were invited for dinner with David at his restaurant called Babbo's in Mayfair. <laughs> Is this the second week in a row that we've discussed a Chelsea player going above and beyond to go out for dinner with uh, the fans? It's, ne- it's nearly like they're better people than we think they are. <laughs> or they've done something awful and they're covering them <laughs> with good PR. <laughs> David Luiz has lovely hair. David Luiz I really like want really to touch nice Lava, David Luiz's hair. Well, is that wrong of me? Well, why don't we go to Babos? Yes. Yes. And maybe we can meet him. In fact, Babos and David, if you're listening, we'd love to do an episode from Babos. Next week will be a more. What's it called? It's the chatbot. The Louise bot. The Louise bot. The Louise chatbot. Thank you, Barry. We've not. The chatbot's not gone off for a couple of weeks. Well, there you go. It's good that it has. Babo bot. Babo bot. Wow. Everyone's got bots these days. Everyone. I mean, we don't really know what they are, but everyone seems to have one, and they all seem to sound remarkably similar. Do you have one when someone talks about Absolute Worldly on I mean, their own podcast? Yes. As in, I have a podcast. Do you? <laughs> oh, we might get to that later. That's good. <laughs> so we also had some suggestions from our listeners of where they would take their Premier League player. Hit me uh, with the... My brother came up with taking Eden Hazard to Legoland Windsor. <laughs> 
Why? 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 Well, he didn't actually suggest any meal, so I'm not. Oh. I'm going to discount that as an option. I'd like to take Trent Alexander Arnold to Nando's. Oh, <laughs> I think he, I think he'd had a lovely time. Would you play a board game as well? I think we'd get him like one of the placemats you can colour in. Yeah, Trent looks like <laughs> a high chair. He does look about twelve, <laughs> and he looks like he would really enjoy like a I a butterfly he, chicken. I bet no. I bet he'd have a pitta. Do you think? Yeah, he looks like he needs the carbs. He'd have like one the, of the rice salad, the one of the rice dishes. Yeah, and he'd want like. Proper spicy fries. Yeah. Guys, let's face it, he's probably got a black card. <laughs> to be honest. I think most footballers do, don't they? Black Nando's card. Yeah. Well, I don't eat meat anymore, but if I did, I'd love a black. There was black a look in Joel's eyes now, of... now you've said it, though, you don't get it. Isn't yeah. that the one, I'm never going to be a footballer now because I'm too old. And two, <laughs> the only thing I want out of being a footballer is a Nando's <laughs> black card. <laughs> That's pretty true. <laughs> so we also had another suggestion tweeted into us. Finally, someone has tweeted in. What's, rec- your, what's your Twitter handle, Kyle? Uh, at Worldy Podcast. Oh. You got it right this week. <laughs> I just checked it. <laughs> um, so we had someone called at Joe Dyke uh, tweet in saying, would like the full correct story of the death match as heard lots of contrasting things. The death match? That's the death match. Hmm. So my classic Worldy this week is... The death match. <laughs> I'm going to set the scene, boys. Set the scene. Go for it. There's a four men encased, well, not their bodies, but immortalised <laughs> in a huge granite statue in Kiev. Like in crypto- like uh, in Carbonite. Like Han yeah. Solo in Return of the Jedi. Sort of. <laughs> like, are they all saying, I know, just as they... I know. <laughs> Star Wars joke. Um, it's like Mount Rushmore, but not just the heads. Right. It's like okay. four yeah, bodies yeah, yeah. Like statues. Out. Yeah. No, but in like coming out of a granite wall. Okay, cool. Um, the, so for 75 years, these men have inspired a nation. The legend goes that these players and their teammates defied Nazi orders and beat a Nazi team during World War II. And as a result, were all shot. Oh, cool. The story... Sorry. That's oh, not the appropriate reaction. Not the reaction that one would No, I was saying, how cool of them to defy Nazi ah, orders. Or how cool, please continue. Yes. <laughs> So the story inspired that, the movie inspiring. Um, Escape to Victory. You know, the Michael Caine, Stice, apparently they, that was part of the original oh, produ- wow. uh, producers like, oh, we're, we're in homage to this story. Mm-hmm. We want to make this film. Uh, but is the story of the deathmatch true? Or is it a myth constructed by the Soviet state? Ooh. We're going to find out. This is why at Joe Dyke wanted to know, I'm guessing. Because so he didn't bother to Google it for himself. <laughs> hey, don't, let's not rag on at Joe Dyke. He was the first person to suggest a, a topic for us. More of those, please. Yeah, I point. noticed he has a blue tick Oh, on his uh, Twitter. So I'm it's just definitely gonna, the Joe Dyke. I'm just going to admit it. I know Joe Dyke. Yeah. <laughs> and he's an avid listener. Uh, and he has got a blue tick because he's a very, very professional man. Right. Um, <laughs> let us go back to the 1930s. Yes. Like, I mean, we are doing it. Does these anyone want to do a, sing a little song for the 1930s? Do, 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 oh, that's just a time warp noise. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought we were time travelling back there. Here we are. But have some, give me some. Ding, 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 ding. Can we do the Doctor Who theme? No, like a 1930s soundtrack. Oh, uh, I can only think like <laughs> cabaret in Berlin. Okay, let's right. not do it. So. Velcro. Let's go back. Velcro. Velcro. <laughs> Bienvenue. Nazi theme. I don't know why. Okay. You're talking about Nazis. So, Arsenal <laughs> with Cliff Bastin won a host of league titles and FA Cups. Mm. Sheffield Wednesday with the second most successful team of the time. An era famous for Stoke Stanley Matthews and Toffee Tommy Lawton. Everton the Toffees. Uh, Everton. Everton <laughs> called the Toffees. Uh, Dynamo <laughs> Kiev. Uh, which through my research I've actually learned might be pronounced Kiev. No. In Ukrainian. We've been eating chicken Kiev all this time. <laughs> yep, chicken Kiev. Uh, Dynamo Kiev. 
that changes everything. It does change everything. Back to the 30s. Stan Rokia were the stars of the Soviet League at the time. Uh, they actually went on later in the 70s and 80s to win three European Cups. Mm-hmm. Yes. But that's not part of the story. In America, <laughs> the, the Jazz Age was nearing its climax. What? And Judy Garland was wearing ruby slippers. And then World War II happened. <laughs> There you go, did history you Google, students. Did you Google like four facts about the third? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> I think it was quite an evocative picture. Yeah, I liked it. With Judy Garland uh, and that shit. Go on. So yeah, 1941, the Nazis invaded the Soviet Union and occupied Kiev. Or Kiev. I'm just going to say Kiev. Yeah, just uh, say Kiev. Professional Kiev. football was interrupted. Occupation of brutality and oppression by the Nazis in Kiev. They started rounding up Jews, uh, and over two days in late September 1941 in Kiev, they murdered 33,771 Jews Jesus. at a place called Baba Yar, which is just a huge ravine in Kiev. It's like oh, one of the Jesus. most famous, I mean, infamous uh, atrocities of that time. Um, so, what was football like in Well, what was it like being occupied Kiev for the footballers? The there was a, the Dinamo players, who I mentioned, the, the most successful team of that region in the Soviet League. They they would all serve together in, in the Red Army, mm. um, but they returned home to Kiev. Uh, and as Soviet soldiers, they had to keep a low profile. But they needed work, and football had been postponed indefinitely under the occupation. So, what were they going to do? Well, a man called Josef Kordik, who was a Kiev native and a passionate Dinamo fan. He claimed German origins, uh, and this is important because it allowed him to run a business. Uh, All businesses were overtaken by the Nazi regime, unless you could say, well, I am actually German. Mm -hmm. Um, So his business was a bakery, and he had an idea to bring a new amateur team together. The goalkeeper of Dynamo uh, Kiev happened to be an ex-baker, so he was a shoe-in. Uh, oh my god, was that a shoe pastry Did you just do a shoe pun? No. C- <laughs> C-H-O-U-X. I mean, you have to spell it out, I get it now. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've been watching too much bakery. Wow. Right, continue. <laughs> he brought in others from the Dynamo team to work in the bakery, uh, so Cordy got them all jobs, and they trained uh, in the bakery courtyard. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, on the D-Lo, or...? Uh, well, at the same time, the Nazis began to realise that the people of Kiev needed an outlet right. um, from all this you know, brutal oppression. Yeah. Um, so there was a Nazi sympathiser within the city, a guy called Georgi Svetsov, and he managed to convince the Nazi authorities to restart competitive, albeit amateur football. So I, Say what you like about the Nazis, guys. <laughs> yeah, they let football happen in yeah. very specific circumstances. They're all right in Kyle's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe to say. I mean, a face of alarm. That's what I took from the, what you were saying, Kyle. <laughs> I, okay, Georgi Svetsov, remember the name, okay? <laughs> okay. That's an important character in this story. Large. Um So this football team were called FC Start. It's <laughs> good. Start at the beginning. Yes. Uh, and they played in red shirts that they uh, apparently found abandoned in a warehouse. But later on, the red would take on a mythical um, significance. Mm. Righto. They're made up of eight ex-Dinamo players, and they played at a stadium called the Zenit Stadium, which wasn't a stadium at all. It was just a, you know, a park with, with you know, people gather. Obviously, back in those days, you'd just have thousands of people just standing to watch a game. Yeah, sure. Um, so, starch, do you want to know what it translates to? Starch, because they were bakers. <laughs> Bakery. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Wait, yeah. start means bakery. Yeah, great. FC bakery. <laughs> FC bakery. So who was in the team? We, as I mentioned, the goalkeeper. His name was Nikolai Trusevich. Which Trusevich. is I've, I've written everything down um, in phonetic, so I can say it. Nice. And Trusevich means that he definitely is telling the truth in the whole of the story. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good. The, the, the best defender was a guy called Alexei Klemenko. There was a guy in midfield called Makar Honorenko, and the striker, the star striker Ivan Kuzmenko, was one of the best strikers in the world at the time. Right. Certainly an Enko. A lot of Enkos. Lots of Enkos yeah. in the Ukraine. I mean, it just uh, means son of. Is it? Is that what yeah. it means? Sorry, Joel. Enko. <laughs> Enko. 
Um, so there another player that was important to the story, Nikolai Gorokia. Uh, he was like a squad player for Dinamo, but he was important in the bakery team as one of the elders. Imagine John Terry in 2018. <laughs> right. Do we have to? <laughs> no. <laughs> How did FC Stark get on in this little amateur competition then? They won their first seven games, uh, scoring 47 goals and conceding only eight. That's a fuckload of goals. <laughs> that is an average of just less than seven goals a game. Fucking hell. And conceding an average of just over one goal a game. Well, hang on, they were, that was the team with all the professional players. That is true. And they were playing all of the other they amateurs. Were, they were <laughs> cooking up a storm. You don't cook what? bread. <laughs> You're not baking up a storm. Do you cook bagel bagels? No, you boil them. I mean, that's in the context of the Holocaust. I mean, I think... It's a, not the best choice of bread. Didn't other people eat bagels? <laughs> I mean, it's, no, it's a very Jewish bread. I know it... I, know it, it, I mean, I know it's origins are but I, I imagine because they're so delicious that everyone ate them anyway no no that's not how it's not how racism works <laughs> oh <laughs> I think baking surely falls under the, but I know, the I banner mean, of cooking you're right, you're generally right. doesn't but it but loads of racists eat like foreign foods mm, do they yeah they curry's the British national dish full of racists <laughs> well, curry or Britain Britain so uh, let's go back and to full of, and crucially full of turmeric Yes. Curry is. Link. Call back. Looped back in. Um, So, yeah. This is all really relevant. But Barry is right. If you think about it, they've got eight of the best professional players who live in Kiev and play on a on a Soviet level playing yeah. the local lads yeah, so yeah it's <laughs> surprising yeah, yeah. so um, six point something goals a game but it is also worth bearing in mind I guess that the city is on its knees yeah. uh, so without being too hyperbolic let's say these players wouldn't have had a balanced and elite sportsman's diet <laughs> no but then again neither would the other players they were playing um, so the death match itself August the 6th 1942 FC Stark played a Nazi military team called Flak Elf translations something 11 Armour 11 or Bullet 11 or something like that. Joel, any ideas? Shrapnel 11. Anti-aircraft artillery 11. <laughs> Excellent. That's such a... That's such a... a, a you only really uh, German could you... <laughs> flak. So is that a flak jacket? Well, let's, let's, Anti-aircraft bullet jacket. Sure. Yeah. Flak jacket. Let's just assume that it's a slang term, flak. So anyway, they played flak elf. Yes, flak elf. Uh, and they won again. S- Santa's most aggressive helper. <laughs> flak elf. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh dear. Well, this flak elf was so aggressive that they ordered a rematch. What? Yeah. So they, so they beat so them. Start beat them. Yep. And by they beat score. everybody. <laughs> and these were just like soldiers who wanted to go. This is yeah, but they, you know, they they're, they're all fit. They're at the top of the, you know, they they yeah. they're getting a better diet than the, yeah. the bakery boys. What was the so, what was the score in the first match? You know? I can't tell you. They <laughs> it's a secret. But they so the the rematch they ordered it for just 3 days later. Okay. Right. So the, so was the are we I mean, I, you may not have this information to hand, but was the was the general idea that they were so angry that this bakery team had beaten them that they were like, right, we're going to play again. Yeah, and either I mean, that's one way of looking at it. I mean, I'm going to talk about the poster for the game in a moment. Um, another angle is that maybe they thought it would be just good, uh, again, good morale. Yeah. Maybe I, I, I can't imagine the bakery team would, would be that bothered about playing that game again. No, I mean, yeah. they, they beat them once, let's beat them again. Great. That'll yeah, make yeah, the yeah. locals feel even better. <laughs> the game ends and Hitler goes, best of three, best yeah. of three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the rematch is actually the game that's known as a death match. Okay. Right, okay. Um, and the poster for the rematch, uh, which is displayed to this day in the War Museum in Kiev, has one very powerful word at the top. Pebble. 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 
Revenge. Fucking <laughs> hell. So Soviet legend has it indisputably that the bakery team were ordered to lose this game or face reprisals. Wow. But there's never been any evidence to unearth to prove this is actually true. But that's that's the story that was told. Mm. You lose this game or right. I did a line across my throat there. To be, to be fair, that's kind of knocks the, the excitement and jeopardy out of a sporting event when you already know what the outcome's going to be. <laughs> exactly. So the rematch, three days later, 9th of August... There was not enough, obviously not enough time for the bakery team to fully recover. Mm. Uh, also, the poster advertised that the Flak Elf team will be strengthened. So it says a strengthened Flak Elf Ooh. team. So different fresh Nazis to take on the weary Soviets. God, this is terrifying. Isn't but it? also, like, it just yeah. that is a brilliant poster. I'd go. I'd pay for a ticket to go and watch yeah. that match. Revenge. Revenge. Re strengthened German yeah. team. Fresh, fresh Nazis. The exactly. bakery boys. <laughs> the, the bakery boys are uh, the the fabulous bakery they're boys. They're not going to be able to rise to the challenge this time. Hey, the boys from out east. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> good. <laughs> that was so much better than anything I've tried to do in the last five minutes. <laughs> So eyewitnesses reckon there were about 2,500 people at the game, which for a, a field, yeah, it's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it's not tiered. I don't know how they're all seeing. Right. Um, so maybe they had, maybe in those days they just stood, stood in high order. <laughs> Wait, they're not all standing in one long line, Kyle. They can go all the way around the football. Field. No, he's yeah, still 2,500. Yeah, you, you have some people sit. On the floor? Should, yeah, he's on the ground. Short people at the front. That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> I like the idea, though, that they had to go in one long line away from the football. Six foot four, <laughs> yeah, third row. Like <laughs> um. Although, to be fair, that would make things so much better at football matches now if they seated you by height order. I feel that all the time in any seated yeah. situation. Theatre, cinema, tall people get right at the back. Yeah. You yeah. can always see. Absolutely. All I right. paid, paid a lot of money for these stall seats. I don't care if your partner's five foot four. They can sit down there. Yeah. <laughs> well, as the tallest amongst the three of us, I find that, you know, I think that's a little bit... That's a little bit Fuck off, man. I want to talk to you during the play anyway. <laughs> and also, you're less than an inch taller than me. I'm still the tallest out of the three of us. Right, so... <laughs> Definitively, I am the Revenge shortest. is happening. Okay, People. so... Eyewitness accounts of what happened at the stadium, or the field, vary wildly. But on the pitch... Because nobody could see past the exactly. tall guys. Well, from what I could see. Uh, <laughs> well, there, there, to be honest, there are eyewitness accounts of, uh, of uh, dogs, Nazi dogs... Uh, Nazi officers with dogs. <laughs> Nazi, oh, oh. Nazi dogs. Um, yeah, Nazi dogs. Um, but the, no one can confirm all these things because right. they're, so they're so wildly varying. So it seemed like it was really heavily policed and. Well, that's one account. Another yeah. account, it was just a normal game where right. everyone was very calm and normal. But on the pitch, at half time, Bakery led 3 1 and eventually won the game 5 3. So it's at full time that the myth really kicks into overdrive uh, or rises in the oven. No. <laughs> So the story goes, the Soviet legend goes that the whole team were immediately brought to Baba Yar, the ravine we've already spoken about, mm. uh, and shot dead, all of them, still in their red kit. That's extraordinary. Wow. That's, that's the Soviet legend. But I can tell you, they actually played another match a week later. With the same team? Yeah, when they won 8-0. Right. <laughs> so that, that didn't happen. Wow. So the death match is categorically a myth? Is that what we're saying? After that second game, after the 8-0 game against a team called FC Rook. Right, so this is now a third this is now a third game in a week. But that's not this this Rook game is back to the uh, back to back the, the uh, amateur league. Yeah, they're winning, scoring all these goals. Not not a, not a Nazi team. But it must be the same team because it's the same that they're scoring about the same amount of average goals as they've scored. I love that as an evidence. As an evidence. <laughs> they scored the same amount of goals, it must be the same boys. <laughs> well, where are they gonna get eleven ringers? They're not they're not gonna you know, if their entire team had been wiped out in that valley. 
They're not going to like by the weekend have got a, the next eleven most brilliant footballers. No, exactly. <laughs> they so, brought them through. Re- they have a really efficient academy system. After the second <laughs> game, after after the Rook game, yes. After that game, some of the team were arrested and interrogated. Right. Most of them ended up in a concentration camp next to Babayar. So you can see where these stories might sort of conflate. Yeah. Um, four of them, certainly not the whole squad. Four of them were killed uh, and shot during a mass execution, which happened whenever there were sort of uprisings at these um, camps. Uh, so the four men who were shot and, and killed in, and that time were the four men on the statue I spoke about at the beginning. Uh, the players uh, was the John Terry, the Nikolai Karokia, yeah. uh, the, true, the goalkeeper Trusevich, Klemenko, the defender, and Kuzmenko, the striker. So wow. they were the four players immortalised yeah. uh, in that way. Uh, why were they the ones that were shot? It's, it's hard to know for sure. But the main theory is this. The same man who managed to convince the Nazis to reintroduce football. Do you remember his name? Do, do, oh, Fe- I've just fired a little bit. Georgi Svetsov. was yeah. also the coach of FC Rook. Oh, my God. So the team that played the following week. The team the that Nazi played the following sympathizer. week. So the team beating the week after the death Ooh. match. Smarter, smarting after the 8-0 hammering. Smarting, sure. It said he had a word with Gestapo officers accusing FC Start of being NKVD or Soviet secret police. Yeah. Holy Gestapo hell. then arrested and tortured the star players. So, Deathmatch is not real, but the villain of all history for the FC start team is Georgi Svetsov. Well, there are other reports that the team is suspected of collaborating with the Nazis. So, like, some, so he obviously said that they were Soviet secret police working against the Nazis and therefore the Nazis took response um and another other stories which claim of there was no way they all would have been murdered because mm. they were collaborators which would have saved them um so when the team were the team were awarded soviet medals for bravery and courage in the 1960s right. so decades later uh and the kgb at that time released a dossier warning against the glorification of fc stars so there's still many people within the soviet government that didn't believe that these people should be held up as heroes so going back to our friend at joe dyke with the blue tick <laughs> What are you saying is the final story from all the conflicting narratives that, that are whirling around? Let's, on absolute, the Absolute Worldy Football podcast, Carl, let's put to bed these rumours. What is the story of the death match? Who's, who's right? You still don't know. The story of the death match is that uh, a team of an amateur sort of organised football under Nazi uh, occupation stormed against all the other teams with brilliant results, played the Nazi team, beat them twice... And afterwards, four players were killed by Nazi soldiers in a concentration camp. Mm. Now, the, why it's become so legendary is because of what of the importance of what that Soviet team could be held up for by the Soviet government. Propaganda. And, yeah. yeah. They became a tool of... Pro- whatever's, yeah. whatever's happened with them, the truth is that we know is that they were then decades of propaganda built up around their image. Yeah. But what's hard for, to imagine for me is how those surviving members of that squad went on with their lives when the Soviet nation propagated them all to be dead. So yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah. They'd have to spend their remaining years with fake names, I guess. It seems so recent that the truth must be... Like, it must be able to be pieced together. Well, it... Um, it's, but it, the documentation hasn't been released or whatever it is. Well, like, you should be able to know I what mean, happened. I mean, Soviet-style Soviet uh, document-keeping is not exactly... Yes. It's, not, but they, it's not exactly the most reliable... This is a story that they taught at Soviet schools for generations. So even mm. people not that much older than us learn at school about FC Star and how the whole team were martyrs, basically. But isn't it always ironic how you get these people who are like, oh no, for, when they don't want to rock the boat by sending a, like the World Cup to Qatar or something like that, they go, oh well, your sport has to be above politics. And yet, the moments we celebrate are moments like that or mm. uh, Tom, Tommy Smith and, and John Carlos raising their hands 
at the the 68 Olympics or Cathy Freeman striking a blow for Aboriginal Australians in the 2000 Olympics. All these moments, Tiger Woods, a black man winning the Masters in Uh 1997. Like, the really memorable moments often are the most political moments and they're the ones that those organisations will celebrate and laud but then when it doesn't suit them, they'll go, oh no, actually, let's, let's, let's not rock the boat. Yeah, so uh, there we have it. That's that the story is... of FC Start and their death match. Which, I mean, I'm not going to take away from it. Men of that team did die, so it was mm. a death match. There, there was a match, there was death, and there will be this week's Worldie coming up after this. You're listening to the Absolute Worldie Football Podcast. To suggest your own choice of Worldies for us to discuss on the pod, both classic and contemporary, why not get in contact with us on Twitter at Worldie Podcast. So, gents, for this week's world, I'm going to start with a little question. Just a little question, guys. Love a quiz. Uh, it's not really a quiz. It's just oh. a very simple question. So, um, <laughs> a quiz of one question. As as of now, in the the league season that we are in, in the the British, not the British, sorry, the English football league, can you name the two teams that are not in the Premier League that are currently undefeated? Yeah. One is in League One, and one is in League Two. <laughs> I'm so bad at thinking that far down. Thinking that far down? I don't. I, don't, I really just follow Liverpool. <laughs> I'm just going to name football teams. Go on then. Lincoln. No. Sheffield Wednesday. No. Yeah. One, oh, one's in League One, one's in League Two. Kyle. Bong. Grimsby Town. No. Portsmouth. <laughs> Portsmouth are one. And the other? It was Lincoln until a few weeks ago. Damn it. Uh, there's a team. In League Two, they've not won money, but they've not lost any. Kidderminster. Forest Green. Forest Green oh, well Rovers. This week's Worldie Kyle is discussing... Wins the, Kyle wins the quiz. <laughs> this week's Worldie is based on currently fifth place in League Two, the fourth division of English football, Forest Green Everyone's favourite FA Cup giant killers. Every, <laughs> or mean, at least giant players. By the end of this week's Worldie, Barry, possibly just everyone's favourite. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Forest Green. Forest Green are unbeaten in 11 games at the start of this season. Uh, they, last night in fact, beat Cambridge 3-1 away. Big uh, result. It's their, only their fourth win of the campaign to go with their seven draws. <laughs> uh, so they're up to fifth in League Two. Uh, the manager, uh, Mark Cooper, said sometimes you have to grind... And maybe that's the word we did we, uh, to get the result. Ground. They ground. We could have used that for the bakery. <laughs> Very much could have done. Um, so, uh, unbeaten 11. Amazing start to the season. That's this good. is the highest they've ever been in the Football League. I, what position are they in, did you say? They're fifth in League so, Two. Is that is that playoff positions? That would yeah, be yeah, yeah. down to seventh in that league. If they finish there at the end of the season, they would be within a chance to get promoted to League One. Uh, I'm going to talk about Forest Green Rovers uh, for various reasons that have been very exciting in the last few months. I know a thing about them. Go on, maybe that'll be what we're going to be going on to. Is it their energy policy? It is very much their energy policy. Oh, I'm so excited. I love this club. So, let's uh, let's talk about Forest Green Rovers. Let's talk about the fact that they were established in 1889. Oh, I thought they were a new team. Older older than Liverpool. 1889 by the very reverend... I've just added the word very there. (laughs) It's just a reverend. I don't know why I said very. What's the difference between a reverend and a very reverend? Really you know. can be very reverend. You can be, yeah. but I, so I probably shouldn't do that. They're really holy. I'm hoping... He's long dead, mate. I'm hoping 1889, he ain't alive. <laughs> uh, Let's give him a sainthood right now. By Saint E.J.H. Peach. 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 Yeah, I mean, this is Wikipedia, so it could be bollocks. Um, reverend E.J.H. Peach. <laughs> was he a peach? Uh, very uh, peach. He was a peachy reverend. Peach. Uh, oh, why don't they have a peach kit? Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> because they're forest green. It's confusing. You could have a forest green home kit and a peach so, away kit. Sorry. With like covered in little hairs. Town in Gloucestershire <laughs> called Nailsworth. And the area that they represent is forest green. They, uh, What's adop- their nearest big club? 
Uh, the nearest big club, I suppose, would be one of the Bristols. Yeah. Okay. Because that's where Rovers okay. or City. That's their that's their kind of area. Right. And they honestly, until the late nineties, I would say pretty much non-existent in what we would term league football. They yeah. they went from different mid Gloucestershire leagues to other local leagues to the Southern Conference. All these sort of you know basically amateur football. What you'd call a community club. Very much a community club. Also very interesting because fringe theatre. Yeah, the fringe <laughs> theatre of. Uh, uh, football teams uh, says the third actor on, yeah. our, on our... <laughs> I'm just season. trying to make I'm this just trying to make it really relatable guys yeah 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 totally. I mean, uh, the regions so, yes <laughs> they were playing the regions they were doing TIE so basically they're not even a Forest Green isn't a town it's a it's a it's a small part of a it's small, a forest it's a forest it's a green forest if you will it's a small part of a small town Nailsworth uh, and if any listeners are from Nailsworth tweet us at Worldy Podcast tell us what it's like in Nailsworth and specifically in Forest Green um, so uh, they changed their name a lot they they dropped the Rovers they changed it completely at one point and eventually they went back to being Forest Green <laughs> they're, they're like Prince they were the club formerly known as Forest Green at one point. it reminds me of a club called Ludigarets which means men of the woods oh yeah ah, nice where are they from Ukraine that's linked uh, aren't they Champions League team I think they're from the they're Ukraine from. linking it nicely into our classic world well they can't so it doesn't matter no one will tell well we'll do it if you're from Ludogorets we're very though, much listeners, we are fully aware that we're due a corrections corner at some point over the last four episodes and we will do one coming up soon corrections um, and clarifications uh, corrections and clarifications corner um, so I'm going to jump forward quite a lot of time uh, to the 1997-98 season when they won the Southern League Premier Division which was their second successive promotion come on boys and they yes. got into the football conference which for our non-football aware listeners uh, is the division just outside of the uh, football league five five fifth tier isn't it yeah. yeah and they hung out in the football conference for about 13 12 12 years should we say mm-hmm. they were ne- not much investment not really going up not really going down in that time still a fully amateur club they still a fully yeah. amateur team exactly oh, wow. and then in 2009-10 they finished in the relegation zone <gasps> And at this point, it was looking bad. They were looking oh. like they were going down. Come on, for a screen. I know. But then, a sudden reprieve. <gasps> and this sudden reprieve is quite vital because it really links into what's happened to the club now. The sudden reprieve is that Salisbury City... Boo. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's least favourite football team. Yeah. no. You know what you did. <laughs> <laughs> they broke financial rules and were expelled from the conference. And as poisoning a... people. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. Sorry, Salisbury. You've got, you've got lovely stained glass. They were but... scrapled out of the division. No, 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 not good. No, I need to another check myself. really picked up Salisbury. check yourself. Um, I'm sorry. Um, there was so, goals. So, uh, so what, what, do we know why that happened? I don't actually have the, that information. I can say it probably wasn't Novichok. It pro- probably wasn't, yeah. No, so um, so Salisbury were expelled from the from the conference and Forest Green were given a reprieve. They were allowed to stay up, even though they finished in the location zone. And they were bought... By the owner of the electricity company Ecotricity, Dale Vince. Yes, everyone's favourite. Dale Vince. Guy called Remember Dale. the name. Uh, let's fast forward. Uh, so they're st- called Forest Green, owned by a guy called Dale. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's all geographical it, features. The coincidences pile up. Uh, so um, I, will, I will come back to Dale Vince and what he's done to the club presently. But let's just talk about how they got into the position they're in now. Uh, so they finished fifth in the conference in 2014-15. Qualified for the pl- playoffs. They didn't go up that year. Oh. The following season, they also qualified for the playoffs. They finished in their highest ever league position 
position to do so, but they still didn't go up. <gasps> knocking on their door. They're knocking. A third consecutive playoff campaign was secured with a third place finish in 2016-17. Come on. After beating Dagenham and Redbridge 3-1 in the semi-finals. those guys. The club defeated Tranmere Rovers 3-1 in yeah. the final at Wembley, finally earning promotion in the year 2017 into League too. And well all done. was right with the world. All Everything's been great since then. Yes. <laughs> now, here's an interesting fact. Uh, they went into that f- final at the end of a 40-plus game season. Grueling. Grueling long season. A semi-amateur club at the time, still not fully professional, with no soft tissue injuries at all. How do they manage They're that? so fit. Do you know what they put they that down They play in armour. <laughs> they put that down, Kyle. To their vegan diet. Oh yeah, they're vegans. And right. hence why I would like to talk about them as this week's worldie. <laughs> vegan FC. Vegan All FC. All right, mate. Park your agenda. So, <laughs> the Forest Green Rovers, owned by Dale Vince. When Dale Vince came in, he said what we was going to do was push towards being a carbon neutral football team. He started by then also making the club vegetarian and then eventually pushed them entirely into vegan. All the food served to the fans at half-time and during the game is vegan. All the food served to the players is is vegan. Um, I will get on... Here we go. We're going to launch straight into their green credentials and their their electricity plans. They literally have green in their name. Yes. Yes. Perfect club. So they've been... Say what you like about Dale Vince. He is on brand. (laughs) He very much is. (laughs) So they've received the vegan trademark from the Vegan Society. They're the first football team in the world to do so probably the last uh, <laughs> in 2018 this summer they were the first football club in the world to be certified carbon neutral under the united nations framework convention on climate change <laughs> can you imagine me the guy working at the un in new york it's like has to give it what like the a hell off forest green giving rovers. a blue yes. tick to forest green a um, green tick <laughs> so uh dale vince dale vince quote it's a real honor to be named carbon neutral by the un we're a small club with big ambitions and it's fantastic we can work together to champion the sustainability message worldwide. Uh, This is a great quote. I believe it's only a matter of time before the big boys like Real Madrid, Man United and the San Francisco 49ers (laughs) follow our example. What an interesting link there. Maybe he has some sort of interest in baseball. Is that baseball? Is that football? The 49ers? Yeah. That's that's Barry. (laughs) Hang on. Google. Football. The San Francisco 49ers. No, no. American football. Gridiron. Gridiron. Um, here we go. This is this is a great quote, just purely because we're talking about Forest Green Rovers. Miguel Naranjo, the UNFCCC Programme Officer in Sustainable Development Mechanisms, commented, From the UN, our main goal in dealing with non-state actors, meaning anyone who is not national government, to promote additional action, is to try to facilitate people taking more action and provide recognition for that. The UN has limited resources to do that, to do that by itself. It has to be done in collaboration with others. So Forest Green <laughs> is an excellent example of an organisation that's doing a lot to address their environmental footprint and serving as an example for others to follow. So for us, it's very valuable to show what they're doing. It's so amazing. they're UN endorsed. They were officially made uh, carbon, uh, carbon neutral in the summer. Uh, they have also just received a UN Momentum for Change award. They're one of only 15 organisations in the entire world to receive that award. That's insane. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty It's pretty. How big is their ground? Uh, how big is their ground is a good question. I don't know. Not very big. But I can tell you some stuff about it. Would you like to know it? Go on. So the pitch is... I all... bet it's full of Dyson Airblades. Uh, probably. <laughs> probably I don't think they're using any electricity at the ground. No. Well, here we go. So this is the, this is their, these are their environmental impacts based on the ground. The pitch is organic. Uh, there is... Uh, Barry is now telling me how big it is. It's 5,141 uh, people, Barry, including 2,000 seated and 3,141 standing. I like that it's called the new lawn. And it is Again, the new lawn. It's like a new dawn at the new lawn. <laughs> well, they, have, they are applying for uh, planning permission to build an entirely wooden new all-seater stadium. Of <laughs> 
Good boys. Yeah. So the pitch is organic. Uh, no pesticides, chemicals used. It will be the fir- it is the first sort of certified organic sports pitch. Um, they're working on LED floodlights. Uh, they've installed solar panels. Uh, they collect water from the pitch to irrigate uh, water from underneath the pitch to irrigate the pitch in dry weather. They also are looking at collecting rainwater from the stadium roof and the possibility of sinking a borehole to collect local groundwater so they can irrigate the pitch entirely based uh, uh, on water they've collected rather than water taken out of the main system. The players are encouraged to carpool. That's yes. nice. They have uh, teamed up with Nissan, who supplied 11 Nissan Leafs, which is a 100% electric car. Um, so with players living in uh, Birmingham, the home counties, and around the West Country, they worked out that their playing squad cover almost 10,000 uh, miles each week travelling to and from training in Gloucestershire. Over the course of a season, that adds up to almost 430,000 miles and generates more than 135,000 kilograms of CO2. Yeah, so yeah. that's why they've got the fleet of electric cars to cope with that. Cool. Um, the new lawn, the name of the stadium, that has joined the Electric Highway. It's the world's first national motorway charging network. So a fast charger has been fitted for the squad and members of the public to recharge for free. Sorry, what? It's a, uh, uh, so the Electric Highway is a way, it's basically a series of charging points so you can charge your car at the, at the stadium. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. So if you're an electric car, you can charge your car at the stadium. All of their waste cooking oil is recycled into biofuel. <laughs> They have a. Grand... They, they won't have much because they're not making burgers. Yeah. <laughs> they are indeed making burgers, delicious vegan burgers. I had a vegan burger last night. It was lovely. They make their 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 vegan burgers go down well. Their pie was awarded a, a an award in the National Pie Awards. Say that, Brentford. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Talking about uh, who had the best pies earlier, I was sitting on this information and I didn't want to reveal it then. Wow. The Q pie made with corn was commended in the National Pie Awards. Take that, Morecambe. This yeah. is this is strong work. Yeah. But can they play football? Well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, they are undefeated in 11 games. That's the thing, So yeah. yes, and all on a vegan diet. So yeah. this is basically, I, you have to assume that they're not being totalitarian and the players can so eat they're what not. they want in their own and there time. And a, a couple of years ago, there was a, some great footage the Sun found of the players celebrating getting oh, yeah. to a playoff final eating at Greg's. But the thing is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they probably drove down an electric well, car. Well, no, yeah. no, no, but here's the thing. Uh, quite logically, Dale Vince basically says, look, we're not, um, we're not, they're not children. You know, it's not they're not saying to their fans and to their players, you can, you know, you must be vegan to support Forest Green or play for Forest Green. They're saying at the ground, we'll only serve vegan food. At the training ground, we'll yeah. only serve vegan food. They don't uh, try and make that a thing at, uh, outside of work. However, a lot of top elite sportsmen, uh, including uh, Ronaldo, have gone vegan because it's a diet that there is actual evidence in terms of the soft tissue in terms of soft tissue injuries yeah. that a vegan diet can prevent them, as has been proved by them getting to the final. Uh, of uh, uh, that long season with no soft tissue damage. I don't, I mean, I'm, obviously that's a lot of research, but that's fascinating that you can link no soft tissue damage to a non, to a plant-based diet. Yeah, it's uh, fascinating. I mean, uh, I don't know the science, but that is... Sorry, do you? Uh, well, guys, it's too, it's too too deep to go into right now, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah. this isn't the right format. Uh, would you like to hear my last favourite, favourite little last few environmental facts about Forest Green Rovers before I wrap up this week's... Green uh, welding. They're, all their ball boys are hedgehogs. Yes, exactly. Um, the linesmen are given hemp flags. I mean, you're not too far <laughs> off. Here we go. I'm just going to read out this as it's written rather their than... Their goalposts are windmills. I mean, again, you're not too far off. <laughs> the solar-powered Mobot... <laughs> what? A Mobot? Oh, to mow the... M-O-W runs on green sources of energy and uses GPS technology to automatically mow the pitch. It's been part of what's helped them create an organic pitch and it produces an organic mulch that fertilises the pitch as, as it, it mows it. Oh. Come on, Forest but, Green. you know, does a 
decent groundskeeper out of a job. So swings around. And there's a groundskeeper. Groundskeeper. The groundskeeper. He puts it on charge for an hour, then sets it going for two hours. Has a cup of tea <laughs> with vegan. Vegan milk. milk. <laughs> I think that it, basically we we should all be seeing how this how far they can go because if they're if they've got all this international um, yeah. marketing already, they could go. I mean, the fact that they're one of fifteen organisations commended by the UN. And they are in League Two of the 92-team Football League. There's a lot of exciting stuff going down to lower... I don't know if you talked about Lewis FC. Lewis well. FC's... Uh, uh, equal pay. Equal, equal pay, pay yeah. for both the men's and women's football we teams. We have. We mentioned them yeah. in our uh, 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 worldy, uh, this week's Worldie a few weeks back on, yeah. in, on pay in football, in fact. I also yeah, know it's great that... that stuff's happening down below, <laughs> but yeah. not if not necessarily at the top. No, the Premier League is not well known for its... Uh, uh, for its actions that could could be considered, you know, uh, world changing, the forefront of the protests. And no, barricades. As, as, you know, we had Neville Southall mentioned last week yeah. uh, talking about that he didn't feel that the LGBTQ community was engaged with enough. I would say that the fact that the fact that this team, you know, is, they go as far as using phosphate free washing powder to wash their clothes with, yeah. to wash the, the kits with. I mean, we're talking like. All of these things are doable at an elite level. They just choose not to. Yeah. We're, we're also, I think we're forgetting that. Did we mention that he runs Ecotricity? I think you did. Yes, he's yeah. the so founder. So it's a massive of advert for for that. Yes, uh, that and their 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 name is on their shirt. Of course. I mean, he sponsors the team. So it's you know there is there's obviously he's not he's not without um, blemish. But Dale. he seems to put his mouth money where his mouth is. Yes, it? and his mouth is in a very green place. <laughs> So, Forest Green, keep an eye on them. So, Forest Green Rovers, yeah. currently fifth in League Two. Let's all hope they get promoted all the way up the football uh, pyramid so that more fans get to go and enjoy the Q pie. I'd <laughs> love a Q pie. Uh, should we all go have a Q pie now? <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us, Barry. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, how's how's life outside of Worldies? Pretty good. Uh, it's all right. Yeah. Uh, can... <laughs> do tell us about uh, uh, your podcast. Yes. Oh, funny you should ask, uh, Joel and Kyle. Uh, I host a pod. I co-host a podcast called Worst Foot Forward, uh, where we have a guest on each week. Myself and my co-host Ben Vandeveld, who's a comedian, and we talk about the world's worst something, be it baker or uh, architect or board game death match. Uh, we've done a couple of football ones. We've done the world's worst striker and the world's worst central defender. Who was the world's worst striker? We picked Carlos Enrique Kaiser, who was uh, yes, popular in the news at the time. The most famous, the, the best footballer ever to play football. Yes. <laughs> I think he's well known. worth watching the uh, documentary. And yes, the worst yeah. defender? I can't remember. I think it might have been Peter Story, the uh, former Arsenal defender, who <laughs> renowned for basically attacking people, but also being... Uh, caught up in counterfeiting and uh, pornography smuggling cases. Excellent. That sounds like a fascinating story. (laughs) (laughs) So where can we find Baking. Where can we find your podcast? You can find us on all of the places that you can listen to podcasts on uh, iTunes or Stitcher, uh, basically everywhere that isn't Spotify. I heard that... I actually was listening to Five Live in the car, yeah. and I heard them talking about your podcast. Yes, Worst Foot Forward featured on Five Live's Afternoon Live a couple of weeks ago during How? the Edinburgh Festival as a recommendation as part of their Unmissables. How did that feel? Uh, that was pretty cool. We Hello, all the new listeners. Uh, yeah, we've got a few new listeners from that. We broke into the uh, top 50 comedy podcasts in Britain for about an hour well that done. Wednesday. <laughs> Congratulations. So yeah, do come check us out. It's uh, sort of no such thing as a fish... QI type entertaining but also funny and interesting where might I find it on Twitter again? oh at worst foot I, I, you're doing so good at prompting me to do you can find us on at worst foot on Twitter or go to worstfootforwardpodcast.com excellent stuff well thank you very much again yeah, it's thanks, been an Barry. absolute pleasure thanks gang
Uh, and listeners, we will be back with you next week, getting ahead of classic worldies, of that week's worldies. That week's worldies? This- Goodbye. <laughs> that was the Absolute Worldie Football Podcast by Joel Samuels and Kyle Ross. The theme music was courtesy of Adam Janota Brzezowski and Amachada Patel. All other music is licensed by Creative Commons. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe. And follow us on Twitter at at Podcast. Goodbye. What is vegan? What is vegan? What is vegan? What is vegan? Pie. Kickball with fur, football, yeah.